0: Hi Kentra. Church, it is so good to see you tonight. I'm glad you're here. I hope you brought your Bibles. If you did, would you turn in your copy of God's word to Psalm 23. Tonight's message is entitled The Road Ahead. This is a psalm that most people who are believers or who have been believers for some time are very familiar with, and many of you probably have it memorized. I know you've been standing while we've been singing. I'm not going to ask you to stand now, but, but I do want you to listen attentively and reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read all the verses of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In many ways, life is like taking a long journey down an unfamiliar road. There are many twists and turns along the way. Sometimes life's highway is broad and smooth, making our journey easy. Other times, our path is narrow and rocky, causing hardship and pain. If you've been traveling the road of life for very long, you know that things can be going well and there are no problems in sight. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're blindsided. Hardship comes. Disappointment. Pain. Loss. Loss. You round the corner and you find disaster is staring you in the face. No one knows what we will encounter as we walk this journey of life. But one thing we do know is that we will not be traveling alone. In Psalm 23 verses 1 through 6, David wrote about his journey through life. His words remind us that God will provide all we need to successfully complete life's journey. Now, friend, that that is a good word tonight. I want you to listen to that again. This psalm reminds us that God will provide all we need to successfully complete life's journey. As we study this passage tonight, I want to show you four things that God will provide for us as we travel the road ahead. So hopefully you have your Bibles in hand and you're ready to listen to God's word tonight. Let's begin to see the first of these four things. And we see that God provides for us a loving relationship. Of course you know that God created us to have a relationship with himself and with other people. We're relational creatures. We need to have connection with other people we thrive when we we do and when we don't have good healthy relationships uh, it is very difficult for us to have satisfaction and the most important relationship of all is our relationship with God when we begin to look at this verse this first verse of Psalm 23 we see the Lord is my shepherd the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Now I want to stop there for just a moment and linger here for just a time. And and say to you that this verse, although it seems very simplistic, is profound. In this verse is is the very key, the very essence of true satisfaction. Look at it in your copy of God's Word as I read it again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another way of saying this is, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I'm satisfied. Another way to say this is, the Lord is my shepherd, I need nothing else. See, many of us as Christians are not satisfied, it's not because God is not satisfying, it's because we're not looking to Him for our satisfaction. We think that somehow we're going to be able to improve our lives or feel better about ourselves or... Uh, be more successful if we acquire something else. And rather than focusing our, our relationship with God and all that means, we begin to look for other things to try to fill the sense of emptiness and struggle that we have. But the Bible says, as the psalmist is writing here, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, when he says the Lord, of course, David knew that uh, he served A sovereign God. You do know, don't you, that there is but one true and living God. And this one true and living God is the God of the Bible. The Lord God Almighty. And this Lord God Almighty is sovereign. Now what does that mean? Well, it simply means that God does not have to ask anyone's approval before he acts. He does whatever he chooses And of course, whatever he does is always consistent with his nature. He is good and holy and pure in all of his ways. And not only that, but his ways are immutable. His character is unchanging. So this sovereign God is in control of all things. You say, well, wait a minute. If God is in control of all things, why are there so many bad things happening in the world? That's a good question. But you have to understand that God within his sovereignty has granted us the privilege of acting out of free will. We have a certain degree of free will that we can exercise. But our free will will never override the sovereignty of God. In other, w- in other words, no matter what we decide, no matter how bad our decisions are, ultimately God's will will prevail because he is sovereign. Sometimes we make bad decisions that cause us to suffer. Sometimes others make bad decisions that cause us to suffer. But just because something happens doesn't mean that God approves of it. God allows it to happen because it's an exercise of free will, but it doesn't mean that it's God's will. And God is able to work even the bad things that happen that we and others choose to do and bring good out of it. The book of Romans chapter 8 tells us all things work together for good for those who are the called of God according to his purpose. So even things that happen in our lives that are difficult and cause us sorrow and strife and stress and pain, God can take that somehow and turn it around and bring good out of it. There are many examples of this in the scripture. I think of Joseph for example. Who who struggled so with his brother. Selling him into slavery. And all that he endured. And then ultimately God promoted him to second only to Pharaoh. Throughout all the land. As Egypt was the power of that day. And there are so many other examples of how God has has taken bad situations and brought good out of it. Remember what Joseph said to his brothers, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. In other words, your free will to make decisions caused me pain. But God has used your bad decisions, ultimately turned it around and brought something good out of it. How did he do that? Because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He's able. He's able to override our bad decisions to bring good things out of it. Now, uh, you might say, "Well, I, I wish we didn't have free will because that means uh, that would mean we wouldn't have to suffer." So, if God just forced us to make good decisions, if God took away our free will, we would cease to be human. We would be more like a machine. Now think about your computer at home. Uh, you probably spend a lot of time on your computer at home or in your office, but I can guarantee you one thing, you don't have a relationship with your computer, do you? You don't. You spend a lot of time there, but there's no relationship. You can't have a relationship with a computer. God did not create us to be computers that could be programmed to do certain things according to his will. He gave us the great privilege of making decisions. But with those decisions comes the possibility of making poor decisions. And the pain and suffering that comes along with it. But God in his sovereignty ultimately will bring about his will. I like the analogy that Adrian Rogers used regarding the sovereignty of God. Now uh, you have to understand no analogy is perfect. But he said that the sovereignty of God and, and the free will of man is like this. Let's suppose that you are taken off from the Atlanta airport and you're flying to Tel Aviv, Israel. While you're on that plane, you know that the plane is traveling to Tel Aviv that's the ultimate destination but while on that plane you can make a lot of different decisions for example you may decide to watch a movie you may decide to read a book you may decide to have a conversation you may decide to try to get some rest uh, you may decide to get up and go to the restroom There are a lot of decisions that you can make while on that plane. But ultimately, the plane is going to Tel Aviv. And that is how it is in life. The Lord is our shepherd. He is guiding us. He is directing us. And he's given us his free will to make decisions. But ultimately, because of his sovereignty, you and I can rest in knowing that no matter what happens, our God is in control. Not only do we see our sovereign Lord, but we see that our Lord is the shepherd. He is our shepherd. Look, if you would, in verse 1 again. The Lord, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. See how personal that is? Could you say tonight that the Lord is your shepherd? Do you know for sure that when you die, that you will be able to stand before God and hear him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you know him personally. If so, I rejoice in that. If not, then you need to acknowledge that your sin has separated you from God. And that Jesus Christ came and paid the penalty for sin so you wouldn't have to. And he was raised from the dead so that you could have eternal life. And if you will acknowledge your sin and trust Christ to save you, he will forgive you of your sins and place you into his family. He will give you eternal life. And the Lord will become your shepherd. So David says here, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, when we think about the shepherd, we think about Jesus, don't we? Now, there are numerous passages in the Bible that speak about Jesus being our shepherd. Let me mention a few to you. First of all, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, says the coming Messiah. Speaking about the coming Messiah refers to him as a shepherd, In John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus himself said that he was the good shepherd. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, Jesus is called the great shepherd. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus is, is identified as the chief shepherd. So Jesus is our shepherd to lead us through this life. The good times and the bad times. The twists and turns of life. The valleys and the mountaintops. Jesus is there all along the way to show us, to direct us, to comfort us because he is our shepherd. Now we've talked about how that the Lord is sovereign. The Lord is our shepherd. But also the Lord is our source. Look if you would again in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That is I have everything I need. There's nothing more than I need. I have the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned before, this is really true satisfaction when Jesus is enough. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus enough to you? Is Jesus really enough? Now, what we, we say that, but many times we don't live like it. If we don't have everything the way we want it, then we grow discontent and dissatisfied. But we need to be like the Apostle Paul. Who said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therein to be content. Now notice he said, I learned that. He didn't say, I read that. From experiential knowledge, the Apostle Paul knew what it was like to enjoy the fine things of life. But he also knew what it was like to be shackled in a dungeon waiting to die. And when he wrote those words, by the way, he was in prison. When he said... I have learned in whatever state I am therein to be content. Friend, when we learn to have that type of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what comes our way, we will be able to be satisfied. We will have this peace the Bible talks about. And we will have the overflowing joy that comes from that type of relationship. He is our source. Everything you need can be provided by the Lord Jesus Christ. And most of us as Christians, we don't even know what we have as Christians. We don't know about the promises of God and the benefits of knowing Christ. We think about eternal security. Uh, we think about how we've been forgiven of our sins. But friends, there's so much more. Let me just list a few things for you. Certainly, this is not an exhaustive list. But the Bible talks about how that we have... we have. Uh, uh, live with christ we've died with christ we've been raised in christ jesus we are seated in the heavenlies in christ jesus that christ jesus is going to come and receive us unto himself that we are heirs to a kingdom that we will rule and reign with christ forever and ever and ever so everything we need and everything we have as believers will come to us through the lord jesus He is our true source for all things. Because most of us know little about raising sheep. We run the risk of missing the imagery in this passage. Sheep cannot survive without a good shepherd. They need his protection and provision. The good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. I think about... David, as he was facing Goliath, remember Saul was kind of interviewing him for the job, so to speak, wanting to know of his credentials. Well, what, what makes you think you can you can slay this giant? I mean, we have all these soldiers here who are well-equipped and trained and and they're afraid of him. Why would you, as a little shepherd boy, think you could beat Goliath? He says, well, look, I have taken care of sheep for a Number of years and I've had to defend those sheep against bears and lions and I have rescued them I have provided for them I have protected them and I will treat that Goliath just like one of those wild beasts and indeed he did David was revealing something about being a shepherd and that is the shepherd is willing to jeopardize his own life and lay down his own life if necessary to defend the sheep. That's why we see Jesus as the good shepherd. He laid down his life at Calvary's cross so that we can enjoy a loving relationship with God. He is our good shepherd. So when we think about the road ahead and the troubles that we are in or that we might face, just remember that we do not walk alone. We have a loving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have reason to rejoice. But not only do we see a loving relationship here, in verses 2 and 3 we see a limitless resource, a limitless resource. We mention in verse 1 how that he is our source, but let's look and see a little closer what those resources are. First of all, we see physical resources in verse 2. Here the psalmist says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That's one of his resources, his physical resources, green pastures. What does that mean? Well, sheep need nourishment. The shepherd knows where the good grazing is. And and so he herds his sheep into that area, into that region, where they will have an ample supply of green, lush grass to eat and be nourished so that they will be healthy so that they will grow and mature and thrive the lord provides for our physical needs just think about tonight we will decide when we disperse from here some of you probably have already eaten Uh, for the rest of us we will get to decide what we're going to eat tonight just think of all the choices we have we get to choose what we want and how much we want Think about there are people in the world right now and, and they've not eaten all day. And we've eaten more today than some people will eat all week. Do you think we're blessed? Think about these, these resources that God has provided. When I, think about, when I think about all the people in the world, billions of people, billions, I think somewhere around 7 billion. It's going so fast now it's hard to keep up with. Seven or eight billion, I guess. That's a lot of people. Think about the groceries needed to feed all those people. But yet, somehow, there's enough food for everybody. Now you say, wait a minute. Now, some people are starving. They are starving, but it's not because the food is not supplied. It's because wicked men war, battle, and prevent food from going to people in need. Tyrannical governments prevent food from going to people who are starving it's not that God has not provided it's because human beings are sinful and this is a part of the fallen nature but God provides the physical resources think about our clothes that we have on isn't it nice to have a a jacket on or a sweater this time of year it's kind of cool as a matter of fact when we moved down here I thought okay we're going to be back where it's warm again it's been kind of chilly down here but isn't it nice that we have clothes to wear I would imagine you have more than one pair of clothes to wear. Is that, is that true? And ladies, think about all the shoes you have. I mean, they're they're everywhere in your house and you're always looking for more. Can I get a witness? Some people don't have any shoes. Just think about all the, the benefits that come from the Lord, the physical resources. He says in verse 2 also, notice with me, He leads me beside quiet waters, that is still waters. Uh, I'm told that sheep are skittish and uh, the quiet waters would be necessary for them to drink with peace so they wouldn't be afraid. The shepherd leads them to provide the physical uh, necessities of life. Of green pastures and still waters so that they would be strong and healthy sheep. And God has provided all that we need. Also we see spiritual resources are provided. Look at verse 3. We read, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Uh, that's what forgiveness is all about. The restoration of our souls. Sin has estranged us from God. God. But the Lord Jesus is able to bring us into relationship with the Father through His sacrificial death and glorious resurrection. And so we have our souls restored. Just as our bodies are nourished, God nourishes our souls. That's why we studied the Word of God. I don't know about you, friend, but I'm telling you, I know in my own life personally, when I get into the Word of God, it feeds my soul. I mean, I feel nourished when I study the Bible, when I read the Bible. I feel the Holy Spirit is teaching me and showing me, giving me wisdom that I need for my soul to be satisfied. Why are there so many Christians who are not satisfied? I think it's because many of them are not walking in fellowship with the Lord, not because God doesn't want them to but because they become distracted and they're not devoting themselves to studying the word and spending time in prayer and seeking the face of the Lord. God restores us spiritually. And also verse 3 says that uh, he guides me in the paths of righteousness. Notice this, for his name's sake. That is, his reputation is on the line. His reputation is on the line. So he guides our steps. The Bible tells us, That the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down. So God directs us. But sometimes when we don't listen to him and we fall spiritually, God is able to pick us back up and get us on the right direction again. Because he is our loving shepherd and he has provided for us these limited resources or limitless resources. The Lord is so good to us. Trying to exhaust the limitless resources of God is like trying to drain the oceans with a thimble. Our Good Shepherd provides all we need for this life and the life to come. Now, we've talked about a loving relationship, we talked about a limitless resource. Now, let's talk about a Lingering reassurance. Look in verses 4 and 5. We see His presence, first of all. His presence. Verse 4. The Bible tells us this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Why does He fear no evil? Because God is with Him. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... That is when we are facing death. We don't have to be overwhelmed because God is with us. Now friend, we're all facing death. You do know that, don't you? The statistics tell us that one person out of one will die. Every person born is going to die. Hebrews 9.27 tells us, For it is appointed unto a man once to die and after this the judgment. We're all facing death. Some of us are closer than we think. Now I've been a pastor for a long time and I've done a lot of funerals. And not all of them have been old people. Are you ready when your heart stops beating to stand before God? You say, I'm going to get ready later. You may not have later to get ready. We're all going to be facing death. Some of you have faced it. Some of you have looked it in the eye. And here David calls death the valley of the shadow of death. Let me tell you something about a shadow. It cannot hurt you. A shadow has no power to hurt you. It may seem ominous. It may look frightening to us, but it's only a shadow. I think about what the Apostle Paul tells us about how that uh, the sting of death has been removed. Isn't that good? Now, there are a lot of bees in South Georgia. If you get stung by a bee, it's going to sting a while, isn't it? And you look in your hand and there's the stinger. You don't have to worry about that bee stinging you again. Because he left his stinger. His stinger is no longer a threat to you. The sting of death has been removed because Jesus paid the penalty for death. He gave us life so that we will never die. We've been forgiven of our sins. And now death is just a formality, it's just an experience we're going to go through. Did you know we can't take these bodies to heaven? They have to die. I don't think I want this one in heaven anyway, to be honest with you. The older I get, the more I feel pain in places I didn't know I had. So we're going to lay these bodies down one day. And we're going to be given a new body. Likened to the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we win. That's why the Apostle Paul could say, you know, I'm struggling between whether to... Stay here with you to help you out, or to go on to be with the Lord. I would rather go on to be with the Lord, but it's more profitable that I stay with you. He was looking forward to graduation, and many of us are trying all we can to prevent it. And what he's saying in this passage, David is saying, is that uh, the the valley of the shadow of death, I walk right through it. I fear no evil, for you are with me. So when facing death and facing danger, his presence reassures us and protects us. We see his presence, we see his protection also in verse 4 he mentions, notice uh, two instruments here. He says, "Your rod and your staff, they comfort me." Now, the rod was used to help the shepherd defend the sheep. To ward off thieves and wild beasts. And the staff was used to help guide the sheep. As a matter of fact, it had a crook in it. And uh, let's say, for example, that um, a sheep strayed off and got on a precipice, the shepherd would be able to take that shepherd's staff with a crook and grab it by the neck and pull it back to safety. So here the rod is used and the staff is used for protection for the sheep. But also there's provision. Look in verse 5. We see a banquet and a blessing. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now here uh, the the concept is that, of course, David knew what enemies were. Uh, He had many of them. Remember Saul tried to kill him? He had to run from Saul. Even his own son tried to take his throne and tried to kill David. So he had many enemies through his life. But here he's saying that God's blessings were such that it's like God prepared this great banquet feast and all of his enemies could see the blessings of God showering down on David. And isn't that like the Lord that God blesses us And he provides for us even when there are those around us who would like to cause us harm. It's a blessing also that the Lord provides. Verse 5, the second part of the verse says, And you have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. The oil being anointed on the head. What an expression of blessing that is. And the abundance that the Lord provides. It's overflowing in abundance. So we see his presence, we see his protection, we see his provision. The Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco cost $77 million to build. And that was back a long time ago. Of course, today it would require much more money. But during the construction of the first phase, 23 men fell to their deaths. Before the second phase of construction began, a safety net was installed at the cost of $100,000. The net saved the lives of 10 men while working on the second phase. And the men worked 15 to 25 times faster, having been reassured by the safety net. When we understand the lingering reassurance Christ gives to us, we will be more effective in our service to Him. That we have no reason to fear, not even death itself. That God will provide for us and God will help us along the way. When I think about how God helps us and His goodness and blessing in our lives, it also leads me to think about His reward. A lasting reward. Look in verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here the Bible is speaking about companionship. The Lord has given us companions. Sometimes you may feel lonely. I think everybody feels lonely from time to time. I know when I was in seminary in New Orleans, even at Broome Parker at times, I would feel lonely because I was there by myself, I had friends. But you know, sometimes when you're off by yourself, you feel a sense of loneliness. But I can tell you during those times of loneliness, God used that to draw me close to Him, perhaps more than in any other time in life. And He demonstrated Himself faithful to me because He provides goodness. And loving kindness as companions. Goodness to me and loving kindness. Mercy is another way to speak of loving kindness. God's mercy. Something I don't deserve. Friend, I want you to know I'm not looking for the justice of God in my life. I'm not asking for his justice. If I got what I just deserve, I would be in hell even now. I'm asking for God's mercy. Aren't you? Don't you want his mercy? And I'm thankful that his mercy has been provided to us because of the Lord Jesus Christ and all he has done. So these are companions that are with you. Perhaps you're going home to an empty house tonight and you you may feel lonely. Remember you have those companions of goodness and loving kindness or mercy that God has provided through his presence. These are great lasting rewards. But not only companions, but we see communion with him. Verse 6, he says, the last part of the verse, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David is speaking about his destination. I think in part he's thinking about being in the temple there, worshiping the Lord, but ultimately graduating to be in the very presence of God forever and ever and ever. And friend, that's where we're heading. So no matter what you're facing tonight, you might be in a difficult place. You may feel afraid or worried or troubled. You may feel like your health is slipping away. You may be having relational problems. You may have trouble with your children or grandchildren or with your parents. But I want you to know that the Lord Jesus Christ will see you through. And just remember that these troubles we face are not here to stay forever. Paul said that our suffering should not even be compared with the glory that's coming. So it's not always going to be this way. Uh, There is coming a day where we will graduate. We will be in his presence forever and ever and ever. He will rule and reign in righteousness, power and glory. And we will praise him for it. These are some of the lasting rewards that God provides for us, his children. Like you, I have been awarded plaques and trophies for various things throughout the years. I remember one thing when I was in high school It was very special to me. I played football and and, uh, somehow they gave me the coach's award. And I want you to know I was as proud of that thing. I went home and I put that on display. I wanted everybody to see that. When they came in the house, I wanted them to see that I'd won that award. But you know, I don't even know where that thing is now. It's probably been thrown away or it's rusted and uh, it's no longer of any value to me. It's past. It's gone. You see, that's how earthly rewards are. They may thrill us for a brief moment, but let me tell you, they don't last. But the rewards that the Lord provides, they are lasting because they're eternal. They're eternal because God's eternal. And God is going to reward us, his people, as we journey through this life. And we make it through, through his grace and through his power. He's going to reward us and he's going to say this. And you'll hear him say this if you're a faithful servant of the Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's, that's the greatest thing you could possibly hear. I like the words of Barbara Reinberg In her poem entitled Step by Step, listen as she expresses her dependence on the leadership of the Lord. He does not lead me year by year, nor even day by day, but step by step my path unfolds. My Lord directs my way. Tomorrow's plans I do not know. I only know this minute. But he will say, this is the way. By faith, now walk ye in it. And I am glad that it is so. Today's enough to bear. And when tomorrow comes, his grace shall far exceed its care. What need to worry then or fret the God who gave his son Holds all the moments in his hand and gives them one by one. We have no reason to worry as we travel the road ahead. We simply need to follow our shepherd and he will take us safely home. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this wonderful psalm tonight and I pray that it has been a source of encouragement to your people tonight. Lord, They need to be encouraged with all that's going on in the world and in our lives. We need to be reminded of all your provisions as we face the road ahead. But Lord, as we're walking with you, we know that no matter what we face, your presence and power in our lives will be enough to see us through. We thank you for these promises, Lord. Help us now to walk in them. And I pray you'll be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For those of you who are here tonight and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I want to urge you to give your life to Christ. And I would ask you to come forward tonight and just say, Pastor, I need Jesus. If you have a question tonight about your salvation, I mean, if you if you have any... doubt. Di-